What up, folks? This is your boy, the Pittsburgh Golf Hack, and you're listening to the official podcast. I'm Garen, and today I'll be flying solo. However, you're listening to Season 2, Episode 3, There's No Off-Season. So the clouds have parted, and it's good times in the berg, folks. The Pirates are back in PNC Park. The Masters is complete, and it is officially golf season. Speaking of the Masters, if you didn't watch, first of all, shame on you. We had Tigers return to golf. We had a total meltdown by fan favorite Cam Smith, and a four-putt on the last hole by Scotty Scheffler to still win by three strokes. It was truly one for the ages. And as the Masters ended this year, it got me thinking about all those difficult shots that were made. I mean, I'm telling you folks, if you didn't watch it, there were some truly bad shots. And for the first time ever while watching professional golf, I thought to myself, you know what? Golf really is freaking hard. And it got me thinking about all the work that those players put in each and every day to compete at the levels that they do. And it got me thinking about my own golf game and all the work that I had put in to this point. Before we get too deep, though, first of all, let's cue some apologetic music. I would like to sincerely apologize to all the listeners out there. It's been almost two months since the last episode on the TPI assessments. I'm not going to make any excuses, but once again, life happened, and before we knew it, here we were, and we're almost two months overdue. I don't make any promises, but starting with this episode, I'm going to try, I'm going to try my best to make sure a new episode gets released on the first Friday of every month. So mark your calendars, again, on the first Friday of every month, I'm going to try to release a new episode. Some episodes, it may just be yours truly, like today, or they may be with both Sir Rich and I. However, I've also got some special guests from here in the Berg lined up for you all that I think you're going to enjoy, including one a little bit later on in this episode today. So look for those future episodes every first Friday of the month. So since the last episode, a lot has taken place. I've got about eight rounds in the books. I played my first Pittsburgh Golfers Tour event, and Sir Rich and I had our first Braggarts Cup match. So let's just start off with that. Back in May, Sir Rich and I got together for nine holes one day after work at Bell Meadows Golf Course right outside of Bridgeport, West Virginia, which is approximately an hour and a half south of Pittsburgh right off 79. It's a Robert Trent Jones Golf Course, and it's part of the Robert Trent Jones Society. If you'd like to get a glimpse of the course, you can check out the video review that I did on it last year on the Pittsburgh Golf Hack YouTube channel. From the tee boxes, the course is pretty forgiving, but as any other Robert Trent Jones golf course, you get the turtleback greens with the severe undulations and a sadistic use of bunkers surrounding these green complexes. The rules of play for the day were match play. Best score on the hole wins the hole. Player with the most holes won at the end of nine holes wins the match. So to start things off, Sir Rich and I both put beautiful drives in play. However, it was apparent we would both struggle with the short game that day, and we both struggled to get on the green. I would double bogey and Sir Rich would end up with a triple, putting me up by one hole on the first hole. On the second hole, I would pull hook one so dead left into the tree line, it would take me two strokes to get out. I ended up doubling the hole and Sir Richard bogeyed, we were back to all square. The third hole was a par three, in which I would end up in the bunker and three putt. Sir Rich would bogey and go up by one stroke. The fourth hole is a dogleg left across a creek which requires a layup shot. Once again, I would end up in the bunker but Rich and I would both double, and the hole was half. The par four fifth carries water as well, so Rich would end up putting one in the drink on this hole. I would bogey and he would double, putting us back to all square. The par five six is pretty much straight away at first, but then it kind of dog legs right. 
I would play the hole to perfection, sticking one within a foot on my third shot for a tap-in birdie, putting me up by one hole for the match. The par 3 seventh, again, was guarded heavily with bunkers. Rich and I were both short of the green. Needless to say, the short game was the difference on this hole. I was able to get up and down for a bogey, and Rich ended up doubling the hole. So I was up by two, with two holes left to go. The par 4 eighth, you have to carry water in between the fairway and the green. Here I made the decision to lay up short of the water on my second shot, leaving me a good look at the green. Rich decided to pull a long shot that would go left and over the green. Struggling with the short game, he could not get back to the green. We tied the hole, and the match was officially over. The Braggarts Cup would stay in Pittsburgh with me, the Pittsburgh Golf Act. While the scoring did not reflect it, I truly felt there were some positive takeaways from the match. I would call Sir Rich on my way home that evening to recap my thoughts on the whole thing. What up, man? You got got yourself some food yet? Yeah, man. Grabbed some Outback Steakhouse. It was uh, spectacular and much needed. Nice, nice. I kind of wish I was uh, kind of wish I was not having to make my commute back and staying in a hotel as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm gonna pass out and uh, enjoy the enjoy the remainder of the evening. Well, that'll be good. So I was just sitting here pondering, as you know, I always do after our freaking rounds, and I'm uh, not real happy with the numbers either one of us put up today, but I I can't help but think there were some positive takeaways. I, you know, you were hitting your irons better than I've probably ever seen you hit your irons. I, yeah. I can tell you, I, I definitely tell you put the work in on the irons. The unfortunate part is I think I spent so much time on the irons that the driver went away, you know. Yeah. Um, getting off the tee is, 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 you know, super important, and um, I just wasn't able to do it today, and it cost me. I almost, um, almost, you know, almost felt like you were hitting it off the, the toe. It's like it was spinny, but at the same time, it was like dropping out, like almost as soon as you hit it. It wasn't... It was like a toe shank, but you were still getting distance out of it. It was weird. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think I've identified what, what I'm doing, but it's going to take a bit to, like, with Pinehurst coming up, this is this is going to be dicey. Um, <laughs> um, but I think I'm getting a little quick, and um, hopefully I can get it ironed out before it's Pinehurst, but I honestly don't know, man. Uh, it's The face is closing off, and uh, you got that drop kick spin, and it's just not... It's not conducive to giving me any, any distance. I uh, can't get anything up in the air, you know? Yeah. Felt driver was okay for me, but I'm still... Yeah, you hit your driver well. Still pull hooking a little bit, which is different. I mean, I'll take a pull hook over a slice, but, you know, I got to I gotta get a little bit more consistent with the new swing. But, man, my short game is killing me. It's... As, as was yours. Yeah, I, it was it was just a. Uh, it, I think it's a feel thing for me, you know. I, I I just I had a case of the stone hands today. Um, I was afraid to kind of get through anything, and uh, I either duffed, you know, dug the club clear into the ground, um, or or I sculled it. I had a couple of instances um, where I, you know, had an opportunity to either get up and down for par or make birdie, and. Uh, Skull the ball across the green into into a bad situation, and a par of birdie turns into a bogey or double bogey. Yeah, I feel like you're. It was almost what I saw. It was almost like you were taking a full. Yeah. When you were five yards off the green, you're taking a full swing and trying to decelerate. And I think, you know, that's. I know you're trying to use the clock system in in your mind. I, I could tell that's what your where your mind was going. But you just gotta. I think when you think you're at nine o'clock, you're at eleven o'clock. So, so after we, so we talked about that, you know, on the, on the few extra holes we, we played and, you know, I, I started thinking about it. Like I have, you know, I've got a pre-shot routine for my driver. I've got a pre-shot routine for my iron shots. Have you ever noticed I just step up to the ball when I'm hitting the chip or a pitch? 
Yeah. I don't take any practice swings. Yeah, it's not a natural. Um, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, it's not like it's not like you're getting up taking a full full swing at it. It's a different it's a different setup. But well, so I'm gonna try and work on on uh, you know some just just getting a feel for the shot that I'm about to hit, and I think uh, you know I, I I'm encouraged by my by the way that I've practiced so far with my short game. So I think it's just a matter of getting the reps in once season, you know, really kicks into gear. Yeah, I agree. I think we get work on those few things before Pinehurst. I think we'll be all right. I hope so, buddy. And, and no matter what, it's going to be a blast, but I don't want to go down there and play bad golf. Yep, I agree. So anyway, <laughs> well, I'll let you get off here. Safe travels, man. And uh, just wanted to bend you there for a little bit. So later on that week, I made the decision that I was going to enter into my first Pittsburgh Golfers Tour tournament of the year. The first tournament would be at Lindenwood Golf Club in McMurray, PA. And after a couple range sessions, I really thought that I had everything honed in. I was hitting driver straight, I was flushing my irons, and the positivity vibes were flowing. With an attitude like that, you would think that things would go well. However, they did not. My first round at Lindenwood of the year kind of started out like this. After double bogeying the first hole and bogeying the second, I would pull hook my drive on the third hole so hard left, it almost took out the group that was in the middle of the fairway. Needless to say, from that point on, my nerves were shot, and I simply never recovered. To put things into perspective, there was a par three, I think it was about 150 yards, stuck my putt right in the middle of the green so green in regulation I four putt that pretty much summed up the rest of the day I would end up shooting a 99 for the day to say I was disappointed would have been probably the biggest understatement I'd worked so freaking hard during the off season and put so much work in that I thought for sure I would see the benefits but it was early in the season and there was no need to freak out just yet. So getting back to the topic of the day. Since December of last year, I have been grinding, folks. At the end of last year, as you may have heard in the last episode, I had decided it was time for me to undergo a swing change. I'd hit my proverbial ceiling, and if I was ever going to take my golf game to the next level, it wasn't going to happen with the swing I had. More and more teachers are saying, play the swing you have these days. But in my case, my old swing was just not going to allow me to do the things I needed to do in order to shave strokes off my game. So long story short, I fully committed. I got myself a coach, I worked on fitness, I studied up on ball flight principles, and I plan to bring you the details of what all I've worked on in an episode coming up soon. However, I did all of this during the off season. And while the winter time in Pittsburgh might be dark, dreary, and almost impossible to play golf in, there is no off season. And while that comment might sound quite cliche, I mean this in the literal sense of the word. In Mars, Pennsylvania, I have stumbled onto what might be one of the best indoor golf facilities I have ever been to. And it's literally called No Off-Season Golf. Now, this is not a top golf, food and fun, go out with the girlfriend on a Friday night kind of golf facility. This is a place where real golfers come to grind it out. And I could go on for days talking about this place. I've been going there for about two years now. But I've teed up a special interview with the owner of No Off-Season Golf, Chad Dewey, who I'm going to let do all the talking today. So let's hear what No Off-Season Golf is all about and what all it can do for your golf game. All right, folks, I'm here with Mr. Chad Dewey, owner-operator of No Off-Season Golf here in Mars, Pennsylvania. So, Chad, appreciate you taking the time and hopping on the pod today. Hey, Garen. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Not a problem, man. I've uh, been looking forward to this. been coming up here for about two years, and uh, you've got quite the complex here. 
So if folks, if you haven't ever driven by the complex, it's right off of 228 in Mars, Pennsylvania. It's the big red barn right past Adams Township Fire Department. Um, but this place is pretty cool, man. You got three hitting bays, two of which are powered by Trackman technology, correct? That's correct. And we've got one, is it full swing? It's full swing. Yeah, I get a lot of questions about that because people ask what the difference is. The, the difference is the technology, right? right? Um, the Trackman technology utilizes a dual radar system to track the ball and give swing data. The full swing uses a sonar system and a high-speed camera. Um, and I think the big clarification is when people see full swing versus TrackMan, they feel like sometimes it's not a full a bay that you can fully swing in. All the bays are the same size, ceiling height's roughly 15 feet. They're 17 foot wide, so there's plenty of space to, to take full swings. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for this. I, I've <laughs> taken many full swings in here. Uh, so in addition to the three hitting bays, you've also got a full size putting green. So you get about four pin locations on that. Uh, completely flat, no undulations, but, uh, but a pretty nice putting surface to come indoors and, and work on your game in the off-season. Uh, or inclement weather all throughout the summer. doesn't really have to be the off-season. Um, so, Chad, how in the world did this complex come to be? I mean, did, did you just wake up one day and say, hey, I think I'm going to start a golf business? How, how did this all get started? So, I, at the time, I was playing a lot of golf, um, and it was – as, as a golfer, I think we all kind of share the same mindset that it's like all we think about, right? And yep. the, the good shots we hit, the bad shots we hit, why do we hit them? How do we continue to hit those good shots? And I found that every year I would go out on the course and it was late March or April. Um, and it, it would take me till June or sometimes July to feel like I got my swing back from the previous year. I can relate. Yeah, so I was like, how, how can I change this? And, and initially, I put a net in my basement, and I would swing. But the ceiling's low. I could only swing. You got to Felt maybe... like you was going to rip the driver head off. Yeah, yeah. I, I, no drivers in the basement. It was basically a, an eight iron. After eight iron, it got pretty dicey. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I just racking my brain of a way to do things and I start doing some research and I had never used a simulator before. Really? Yeah, I'd never used a simulator before. I start doing some research and went around and checked a couple out and said, you know what? I think this is a great I think this is a great idea. I think this is a great way to practice in the winter. So you 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 built your your first simulator and then what happened? So built the first one, um, started to get demand and decided to build a second one and started to get demand. And then like everybody else, the pandemic threw a little bit of a, a curveball in there, but that curveball ended up uh, being a good thing because people got into golf yeah, and people really got into golf. So I, I start I start getting phone calls just over and over again of people that were like, hey, you know what? I just got into golf. I need a place to practice. Um, or I hadn't played golf for a lot of years, but with the pandemic, I got back into golf and I just noticed more and more people and the phone was ringing and I decided let's put a third one in. So now we've got, <laughs> now we've got three bays. I can vouch for the business exploding because I remember I've been coming up here for about two years now. And I remember when I first came in and I set my trackman account up, I remember being only one of like eight people that were, in the system and now i don't even know how many probably hundreds of people are are in the system now yeah, yeah and and not everybody that comes in creates a profile that's that's true right that's so true. It's, yeah so it's it's great and, you know and for me it's the the business side of it is great and there's there's a sense of coming up with an idea and seeing it prosper it's it's just so rewarding you know you, you make friends you talk golf. It's it's great. No, absolutely, man. I completely agree. It's been it's been fun, you know, meeting you. I've seen you hit some balls too, which brings me to my next question. You're not a pro, right? I am not a pro. No. So that that kind of separates you from a lot of businesses like this, because typically you'll see a pro opening up. You know, you got a essentially a pro shop affiliated with it, but 
you know, with, with you not being a pro, that's definitely a big difference. Um, but you, do you consider yourself to be, I mean, you golf pretty regularly? Yeah, I'm an avid golfer. Um, I try and play as much as I can. I haven't played as much lately as in the past. Um, but, you know, I, I, think, I think the idea of what you're saying of not being a pro, you come at the business, I think, a little different. Um, yep. and, and you come at it from a perspective of, you know, I want people to come in and enjoy themselves, have fun, get data if they want to get data. Uh, we do have a pro. Uh, his name is Mike Van Sickle, who is a local guy. Um, and, you know, anybody listening can, can look Mike up in his resume. Um, he had a heck of a playing career. Um, not still, only, still making a little cash. Still making some money playing. Uh, but, <laughs> it, you know, his college career at Marquette was, was really good. Um, and his playing career after that, you know, he's played on a number of tour events, um, a lot of web.com or Corn Ferry tour events. Um, so, you know, Mike is available. Um, we have a lot of people that, that take lessons from him. Um, and I, I think they find a lot of value in that. But he's also available to answer questions. You know, people say, well, what does this number mean? I can answer the question. Um, but, you know, Mike, Mike's available to answer those questions as well. Yep, absolutely. And uh, so since you're not a pro, sounds like you're the avid golfer, just like the rest of us, hacking it out, trying to grind. What's your best score you ever shot? My best score I ever shot, 73. Wow, okay. Yeah, I am yet, I am yet to, to hit that, that 72 par number. Um, thought I had it two years ago, 4th of July. We always think we have it. Thought I had it, but, <laughs> but the, the, wheels, the wheels fell off. But, you know, it's, this is one of those things that I've always looked at is uh, I want to accomplish. Um, and you know, as you get older, you start asking yourself, you know, <laughs> am I going to be able to accomplish it? But, um, that's my goal. I'd, I'd love to be able to shoot 72. Now, that's what keeps us coming out, man. You've always got that, that drive as a golfer that I think that's what we all get hooked by. It's like, you can't beat this game. Right. Like it's an unbeatable game, but yet we continue to try to, you know, just, get ourselves to the next level and then once you get to that level guess what you're going to want to get to the next level yeah. it, it is it's an addiction <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely it's definitely an addiction you know i i think too you know talking about the game of golf and, and another reason for doing this is i love to practice i love to hit golf balls yep and i'd sit there in the winter time and just have a golf club in my hand right or be taking swings the phantom swings with no club in my hand and um you know, got the gas pump yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> people were like what the hell is that guy doing but no it's just it's you know it's one of those things where when when i came up with the idea it just it just hit me it's like wow in pittsburgh we have probably six months where we really can't hit golf balls yeah right yeah. and we love it so much let's be able to do it year round instead of doing it for six months. Well, I'm certainly glad that you did uh, because it has given me a great place to grind uh, in, the, in the inclement weather. And so one other thing, I've seen you hit golf balls. So while you might not be a, a pro, I'm going to we'll pat you on the back here mm -hmm. a little bit. Uh, I, you know, I definitely think you know what you're doing here. So um, with, with that, you talked a little bit about the Trackman technology. Uh, being, I think you said dual Doppler radar. Is that dual, yep, dual radar? Dual radar. So, so tell the folks that may not know what Trackman technology is. Explain that a little bit to the folks what that is. So, so Trackman was actually created. Um, it's a Danish company, um, and there were there was two guys that were wanting to track their golf ball, right? They wanted to actually see how far that golf ball actually went, what that golf ball is actually doing. So the way the story goes is they had a buddy that was in the military that was working in some sort of ops, and they approached him, and they said, hey, how could we track a golf ball? And he was like, we could do it via radar. That's how we track things through the military. So they, they got together, they put their heads together, and they came up with this system that ended up tracking a golf ball. 
my understanding of it is it doesn't look like the TrackMan today. It was pretty big, <laughs> but the TrackMan today is, is looks like the size of a laptop. Um, it's got dual radar, as we said. It also has a camera in it. So when you're using it, that dual radar picks up the flight of the golf ball, and it also picks up your swing. So it'll pick up your path. It'll pick up your attack angle. It'll pick up your face angle. Um, it's going to tell you if your face is open or closed at impact. Um, it'll actually show you exactly where you're hitting the golf ball off the face of the club. It's things that I've learned through this is radar, when it hits an object, it wraps around it. So that radar is wrapping around the club, and when that club makes contact with the golf ball, it's able to show us precisely where we hit, hit that ball off the club. I think it's invaluable. Um, I mean, TrackMan does so much more. Right? There's the ability to not only practice, um, whether you're talking about putting, whether you're talking about full golf shots, whether you want to look at chipping. Uh, there's different functions on it for different things that you want to do. But it also has over 150 golf courses to play. Right? <laughs> That's something, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, and remarkably, it's very realistic. Um, I know there's times that I get out of there playing with either I was myself in there or I was playing with some friends and... I get done and I feel like I actually played around the golf. It's, I think technology in itself is amazing. I think where the technology has gone and what TrackMan has been able to do um, and full swing is pretty remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can vouch for the courses. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy at least playing, you know, in the wintertime, I'll play, you know, probably at least 10, 12 rounds of golf in here in addition to my range sessions and everything. But you know, there's some courses on there that you get a chance to play that are very realistic, very accurate, that you may never get a chance to play in real life. You know, Nima Cullen Resort, both Shepherd's Rock and Mystic Rock, yeah. they're on there. Unless you stay at the resort and drop about a grand for a weekend, you ain't playing those courses. Right. You right. know? Yeah. Um, the TrackMan reps told me that Oakmont is coming. Um, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, Pebble, you know, Pebble Beach is on there. All the St. Andrews courses are on there. there. There's a there's a lot of tour venue courses that are that are in the catalog or the library, um, and then there's a lot of courses that you might not know um, that could, really good courses throughout the world. Uh, being that TrackMan is a Danish company, there is a lot of European courses on there as well. But the the amazing thing about the courses is they are the actual course. So yeah. when they map the course out, it's all done with drones and lasers and everything is done to spec. So, you know, I mean, obviously some courses make changes along the way and move bunkers here or there. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, the course you're playing on the on the screen is the course that you'd be playing in real life. Yeah, I recently played uh, the old course at St. Andrews here recently. I was, was watching some videos on YouTube with like Rick Shields had went over there and played played a couple rounds and... I was like, man, you know, how, how cool. And then I was on Trackman one day, and I'm in here, and I'm scrolling. Where do I want to play today? And bam, there's St. Andrews. I was like, i, I got to play this. And, you know, it was a very interesting uh, experience getting to play that, even though it was virtual. It was like, I'm playing St. Andrews. Yeah. How cool is this? Yeah, it's, it's wild. Yeah, for anybody that hasn't done it, it it's, it's an experience. And, and, you know, and it's fun, right? So... You come in here and you practice, and then you you play, right? And you want to see how that practice is transitioning into you playing. Um, there are also people that come in and they just want to have fun, right? They'll yep. come in on a Saturday or any day of the week. Um, it's BYOP. You got a private room. Um, the rooms are big. You can load up to eight players on the sim at a time. Um, you can pick different formats. It's going to score the formats for you. You can create a handicap on it. Um, we have a league uh, that, that we have on uh, Wednesday nights. Um, you got your own TV in your room, so you, you can put whatever you want on the TV, right? You're, it's completely private. Bring your own food. In the bay, you bring your own food. It's, you bring your own drink, whatever you, whatever you want to do. So it's, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty cool experience. I think I think that is an interesting point that you just made because I, I think another interesting part of your business is you don't just run bankers hours here. You this is a kind of a free flowing operation. Once you've been set up in the system, you pretty much have free reign of the facility, right? 
It's 24 seven. So once you, once you know how to utilize a system, which you can attest to this, it's kind of point and click. Yep. Um, you know, I usually, or Mike, somebody will run through with somebody the first time here, how to do things. And I would say 90 plus percent of the people after that five to 10 minute conversation book, say, ah, I don't need any help. I'm good. They know how to turn everything on, set everything up, get where they want to get to and turn everything off. If nobody's coming in behind them. Uh, there are some people that ask for more help, which is perfectly fine. I'm more than happy to have somebody here to help them. But yeah, it's, it's a free flow to serve, you know, to serve yourself, um, situation. No, I, I like it. I, I liken it to the planet fitness, uh, stance that they take. This is the judgment free zone. Like, you know, if you're looking for somewhere to come and and work on your game in private because you get nervous around having people watch you, you know, this is the place to do it. You come in, you close the door behind you, and you've got your own private bay to do whatever you need to do. And there's nobody that's going to judge you. Or if you want to come up here and get a lesson, you got Mike Van Sickle that can help do that. And if you want to come up here with a group of friends and, and play around, like, you can do that too. But it's... In my opinion, this is a place where real golfers come and grind. Like this is not your top golf. Uh, you know, take take the the crew or the the girlfriend out for a date night. Uh, this is this is a real golf facility. Yeah, I, yeah, I I I think you're right. Um, now, do we get people to come for date night? Absolutely. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. People bring a bottle of wine, and you know, it could be just a couple or multiple couples and and they seem to enjoy themselves but you know th this is definitely a place where if you're looking to work on your game um whether you're just at the beginning stages of golf or you're at a latter stage of, of playing golf and you, you want to work on that game and understand why your ball flight's doing what it's doing see the numbers behind it uh it's a it's a great place to do it you know you bring up a good point i've had a lot of people, particularly during the pandemic, I think a lot of people start either getting back into golf or just first start playing golf. Yep. And I've had so many people that have referenced and the fact that you referenced, which is I can come in here and I don't have to feel like somebody's watching me. Right. Right. I don't feel uncomfortable. And I think, I think that aspect of it was one of the things when I was building it out was really in my mind, right? Which is, you know, how are people going to be comfortable? Um, you know, if you're, if you're not comfortable with your game and now you've got a bunch of people watching you, you know, it just, it doesn't give you, I don't think it gives people the ability to be able to really just do the things that they need to do to get better. Right. Right. Cause they're worried about what they're doing rather than doing the uncomfortable things to get better. So oh, yeah, I think it's a great point. I think it's a great point you bring up. And trust me, like even me going through a swing change, like it was not pretty at first. And I don't want to go to the range and have people sit there and watch me shank 50 balls, you know, top 50 balls and, you know, and then, you know, duck hook them, slice them so hard that they're flying out of the driving range. Like, you know, I can come here and I can do that and nobody's watching me. I loved it. Yeah. Now it's a good point. I think the other thing too is, you know, from a price point, we're $40 an hour. Um, there's some things that I'm looking into doing for summertime, uh, maybe doing summer range session packages and things of that nature. But, you know, my experience going to the driving ranges, get a bucket of balls, it's 99 or hundred balls. You probably blow through them in 25, 30 minutes, right? Something like that. You might be going back in, putting your card in to buy another bucket. So before you know it, you're $30 in golf balls and you haven't really got anything out of it. How much have you got out of it, right? I mean, I think there, I think there's something to be said for for the driving range. I'm not saying that people shouldn't go to the driving range, right? I still go to the driving range, but if I'm really looking to practice, I come in here. So that was actually going to be my next question. You jumped ahead of me a little bit here, but what advantage do you see that a golfer would have coming here? Let's just say a golfer going to take lessons. What advantage would a golfer have coming here to take lessons versus a driving range? I think the human eye can only do so much. Uh, whether it's golf, whether it's baseball, um, you know, there's been this shift 
um, in sports where technology is just so prominent at this point. And I think golf would be on the upper end of how important it is because there's such a fine line in what we do in golf that can change the flight of the golf ball drastically. And, you know, when you're coming in here and you're either practicing on your own or you're taking a lesson with Mike, you know, and Mike's explaining what he's seeing, you're also able to back it up with the numbers. And I know for me, I mean, I've taken lessons through a number of different people. And I always tended to get a different response or different feedback from every person I would take lessons with. It started to be confusing. And I think in here, you, the confusion kind of goes away because you look at the numbers. And, you know, TrackMan is known for its accuracy. So those numbers that you're seeing are accurate numbers. And if you're coming over the top and outside, you know it. And Mike can tell you over and over again, you're coming outside, but you might feel like, no, I'm not. And you might not believe that person that you're working with, Mike or somebody else, or if you're by yourself, you might not, somebody could say to you, hey, you're coming over the top. And you might think, no, I'm not. But you know if you are, right? You know if that path is coming outside, if you're really coming over the top, you can see it through the video. Um, and I think it's just so helpful if you're really looking to, to practice and, and better your game. Yeah, I agree too. And one of the things that I think it's interesting you just touched on is like, you know, I'll be the first to tell you I avoided lessons for the last 25 years of my golfing journey because I always played on field. And I would go, and I did. I did try to take a few lessons. And every time that I went for a lesson, it would be a pro telling me something that I was just – adamantly convinced that he was wrong and you know and it was because you know I can feel that there's no way that that is what's what's causing me to do this or causing me to do that and it was funny because in full disclosure Mike is also my coach yep uh, since I started coming up here I have I've, I've brought Mike on as my personal golf coach and it was interesting when we first started you know kind of trying to make a swing change is that you know, my club path was minus 13 degrees. We already knew I was coming over the top because I was slicing. I had like a banana slice. It was so bad. But there were other times where my hands would come through and I'd make perfect impact and, you know, I'd hit a great drive. But one of the things Mike started telling me initially was like, he's like, we've got to get your left knee to quit diving back. He was like, your, your left knee's diving back. You're essentially swaying. And I'm like, I've watched videos of myself. Like, I don't sway. Like what's he talking like, about really my left leg out of all the crap I've got going on the left leg is what you're going to focus on but then as I started doing what he told me then I looked at the club path and now I'm going from a minus 13 down to a minus 7 club path and now all of a sudden my slices are now starting to turn into little baby fades and that was the first time that I was like wow this technology is really changing the way we learn because previously like if Mike would have told me to do what I did to correct that left leg diving in, I would have probably went back and did it for about a week, and I'd said, this sucks, I'm going back to my old swing. But now I can come in here and I can grind it out, and I can see, you know, you and I had this conversation before, like I've gotten to the point now where I already know based on the data and how much reps that I've, I've gotten, I can already tell where the ball's going to go before I ever even make contact with it. Yeah. Like, if I know that I've pole hooked one, I know it before the ball ever shows up. Because there is maybe a two-second lag from the time you hit your ball, from the time it appears on the screen. And, you know, if I pole hook one, I'm already pointing left at the screen like an idiot. Like, I don't know what I'm pointing at. Right. But, you know, I'm already pointing left because I already know where my ball's going. I do the same thing. <laughs> and, and I wouldn't have been able to do that without trackman. Like, that, that is not something... You learn how things feel based on the feedback and the data that you're learning. And me personally, I think it's invaluable because I can have a session with Mike and I can see the results he's trying to get me. But if I were to go to the driving range, other than maybe looking at my ball flight, I'm not going to be able to tell that I'm still doing 
what I need to be doing, and I'm going to probably slide right back into those old habits. Yeah. But now I can kind of take what I'm being taught by my coach, which is another point, like having a coach that has access to something like this is even more valuable in my opinion because now the coach is giving you tools that you can continue to work after your session. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, you know, there's a saying, um, feel and real are two different things. Yes. And I think it's, I think it's very true. Um, we feel like we're doing something, but in reality, we're doing something different. And you can't get around it when you see the data and the numbers. We yeah. can manipulate the face. We can manipulate certain things to get the ball to go to where we want it to go. Um, but you can only manipulate things so long on the course without them going back to being way left, way right, or whatever it might be, right? So, you know, I think your point about you come in here, you take a lesson, and you grind through it, right? I mean, anytime we make a change, it's tough. And, you know, I know you and I have talked, and I've, I've seen it, because I come in here sometimes when you're hitting balls, you know, you, you would grind through that really uncomfortable period, which we all are going to have when we take a lesson. But I feel like through our conversations, you're far better within your golf swing today than you were back in, let's say, November or December. Oh, Lord, yeah. You know, the numbers tell you that, but just the idea of your ability to feel what you're doing. So, yeah, it's, it, I think... You know, I think people want to play golf, and I, it's great, right? The, the game of golf is awesome, and everybody's going to want to get to a different level. Um, you know, you obviously, through our conversation, seem like you want to get to the highest level that you can get to. And sometimes people just say, hey, I just want to go out there and I want to have fun. And I think both of those are great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have the opportunity to do both in here. Um, so instead of just having fun six months out of the year in the summer, you just want to have fun playing golf and swinging the golf club, you can do it in here. You want to come in and practice all winter and take lessons or not take lessons, but practice and get better, you can do it. And um, what I found was for me, I'd start out April, May, and maybe come July, I'd feel like I'm back into a groove with my swing. And then ever since I put this in, I'm able to hit golf balls all winter long. I come out in April and I'm I'm hitting the ground running. I'm not. Fresh, I'm yeah. not. I'm not wasting two months of maybe a five or six month season um, struggling to figure it out. I've I've, I've kind of got that groove already in place. Yeah, it's interesting you mention that because I, as you know, I just got back from Pinehurst, and which I'm not going to say I played great, but you know, I had a buddy of mine who coached baseball over the over the you know spring months, and that was the first time he swung a golf club all year, and you know. Again, not saying that I played good. I actually played terrible. But I can tell you this, it wasn't as a result of driver. Uh, and driver was something that I had grinded on all year in here. And it really, really showed. Even he was pretty impressed. So, But, you know, he suffered. He struggled. He didn't play his normal game because he hadn't got to play all winter long. So, you know, if he had something like this, it could really – really pay dividends for yeah. it. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, you know, if you do it, it makes a difference for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So just a couple extra notes on the Trackman that I wanted to touch on that I don't think we talked about is the data that Trackman has. If you create an, an account with Trackman, you can actually download the Trackman app on your phone and take your data with you. Yep. So, so I actually am able to come in here, have a range session, or even play 18 holes. I can play 18 holes. Either way, all that data gets stored on Trackman's database, and I have access to my data when I leave here, which is, is really cool. And if you don't know what Trackman you know, can do, if you haven't been around it, um, Trackman really is kind of the pinnacle of all of the launch monitor systems that's out there now. It's, it's what the PGA uses for their, their shot tracers that you see on Sundays when you're watching golf. Um, you know, it's also you know, probably one of the more expensive units that's out there on the market and one of the most accurate. Yeah, they pride themselves on accuracy. Um, they say they're accurate to within a yard. Um, there's a reason that TrackMan is used by over 700 tour pros worldwide. Um, you know, we, we, 
we tend to see these guys go out on the golf course and watch them play on Saturday and Sunday on TV and think, man, they're so good, right? But those guys practice more than they play. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, they practice more than they play. And they get, they get numbers, right? Um, you know, I, I, I watch – I like to watch golf. And, you know, some of the major tour events, they're showing guys on the range. And, you know, I'm always seeing that coach standing there coming over after a shot, showing them a phone or an iPad, right? And I'm saying to myself, oh, he just picked up his trackman numbers. He's showing them, you know, his numbers. Yeah. What's going on with the swing that day? Yeah, it, it makes everything more relatable when you're familiar with that technology. Like, you, it, all of a sudden, you're like, okay, like, I get it. I know what they're doing, and, you know, if I want to get there, that's what i got to do. And the nice thing, too, is it's not rocket science, right? Right. You know, you get to understand the numbers pretty quick and how the numbers relate to your swing and, and your ball flight um, and what changes you can make within that swing and cha- to ultimately change those numbers to change the ball flight to maybe be something that you want, right? You hit a slice, you want to hit a draw, whatever that, that might be, or you want to, you want to hit a, a fade. Um, you start to understand what do I need to do and what numbers do I need to be able to actually perform and hit that shot. No, I, I, I completely, like, you almost geek out about this stuff. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> you do. You definitely do. You can, you can get entrenched in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so... Kind of, kind of coming down the home stretch here. Any, any big plans for no off season coming, coming in the future? No off season golf. Yes. Possibly. Um, I'm a little locked in here on space. Um, so the three bays, there's, there's no room right now to be able to, to put another one in. Um, it's not saying that you know in the future we might not expand to another location and, and be able to put more more bays in. I think, you know, anytime TrackMan comes out with different technology or different updates, they automatically get downloaded. Um, the radars that we have, the TrackMan radars that we have are the most up-to-date radars that they have. If they would happen to come out with an, a, a new one, we would, we would be updating to them. Um, the full swing, uh, which we haven't talked much about, we've focused a lot on TrackMan, but the full swing, um, is a great system and a lot of people really like it. It's not going to give you quite the information that the TrackMan is going to give you from a practice perspective, but from a playing perspective, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it also is realistic. It's a few, a few more courses than, or some different courses that may not be available on yes. TrackMan that's available. Yeah, some different courses. Um, it's possible though that the facility in the next couple of months might go uh, all TrackMan and then just have three TrackMan bays and everything everything be consistent. The other nice thing about TrackMan is you can set up and if you want to play other groups, you can do it. Um, I mean, we could set up tournaments with people in Florida or tournaments with people in Minnesota. Yeah. And, and you can do it. It's kind of remarkable, actually, a quick story. I, don't, I know we're kind of towards the end, but I had a gentleman call me one day and he, he said, hey, you know, I live in Minnesota. Uh, I noticed you guys have TrackMan. We have TrackMan uh, here as well. And my dad's 80 some years old. He doesn't really feel comfortable going out of the house because of COVID. Uh, this is after everything was opened up, so it's right. not like I was sneaking somebody in. But um, he asked me. He said, "You know, I'd love to play a round of golf with my dad. Do you think you could accommodate that?" So, you know, being that he was older, I said, absolutely. I said, you know, let's pick a time. I'm going to block off everything around it so he's in here by himself and doesn't have to worry about walking by people that might not have a mask on. And I got him all set up, and, you know, his, his son had, had called me and said, hey, I'm getting set up on my, my end, and then we linked together, and they were able to play around golf together. That is really, really yeah, awesome. Mars, PA, and, and Minnesota. They could see each other's shots, and uh, they, were able to, they were able to play around the golf together. It was That's pretty, awesome. Pretty cool, yeah. Making memories happen. Making memories happen. But, you know, the, the technology is it's phenomenal. Yeah, it really is, and it's, it's hard to tell where it's going to go, too. It, it's yeah. scary where it's going to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you might get to the point where people are saying, I'd rather play golf inside than outside. <laughs> you might. Yeah. Which, you might. there was an article in Golf Digest that – uh, I believe it was Japan. I think Japan, obviously, being a little more landlocked, you know, as a country than we are. But um, 
last year they had actually played more rounds of golf inside than outside. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, with that, Chad, I think that uh, we have given the folks about all we can give them right now, but I sincerely appreciate you coming on here again, man, and uh, look forward to seeing what we got going on in the future. Yeah, thank you. really appreciate it. So that wraps us up today, folks. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Chad from No Offseason Golf, and if you're looking for a place to go and grind it out and work on your golf game, you got to go check out No Offseason Golf. Oh, and by the way, if you go to nooffseasongolf.com and look up Mr. Chad Dewey's contact information, reach out to him and tell him that the Pittsburgh Golf Hack sent you and you'll get a discount code for your first visit to No Offseason Golf. You can also check out No Offseason Golf in the video review I did on the Pittsburgh Golf Hack YouTube channel. With that being said, in case you didn't catch the subtle hints throughout this episode, Sir Rich and I are headed to Pinehurst. That's right, folks. Sir Rich and I are going to Pinehurst on a golf trip. We have six rounds of golf planned on four different golf courses across four days. So, should be quite interesting. So, stay tuned for that, as well as another Braggarts Cup match. Until the next time, you all get out and hit them straight, and keep on hacking. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. If you like the Pittsburgh Golf Hack Podcast, make sure that you follow and subscribe. That way you'll be in the know anytime any episodes are released. You can also follow the Pittsburgh Golf Hack on Facebook and under the YouTube channel under the Pittsburgh Golf Hack name. You can also follow on Instagram and Twitter at PGH Golf Hack. Credits for the show and any other shenanigans you want to know about this podcast are in the show notes. And make sure that you tune in for the next episode. I got more stuff coming your way soon.